Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars 2018. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Tony. Great to be back with you. A little bit earlier than what we foreshadowed on last week's show, but so much going on we can't wait until a week before Clipsal to come back on air. There's always news out there worthy of putting to air. And, of course, I had the pleasure of joining Autobahn for the launch of their uh, newest entry into the category with one of the oldest drivers. Craig Lowndes, of course, this year will be driving under the banner of Autobahn Lowndes Racing in a 888 car, numbered 888, of course, as he has been for the last few years. And uh, it was wonderful to go to the launch up in Brisbane at one of their newest stores in Logan, Fantastic that uh, to speak to Craig, I, myself and a number of journalists had an opportunity to uh, find out from him about his season as he prepares for it. So this is, uh, what, season 23? Who's counting? Uh, yeah, probably is, actually. 05, uh, sorry, 06, no, 96. 96 was the first full-time, so, yeah. You still get the, uh, the pre-season excitement? Oh, absolutely, I think. that, And also, too, that obviously, with a new generation car coming along for us is um, exciting. We, I was part of the initial sort of running of the car before it went to a homologation. Um, the car, I believe, from what Jamie said, is different to what we ran it at. Um, so I'm really keen to give it... Obviously, the car a shakedown, firstly, but it's all mechanicals. Um, the car shouldn't be any different to what we had in the sense of that side of it. We still run the V8. We're not running a V6. Um, but, yeah, have a good feel for what the aero package is now giving us um, is what I'm more keen on. But it's not like you open up some massive development window or something like that, I guess, when you talk well, about how Well, the only thing is, is, is when we went from Ford to Holden as, as a, you know, as a team, the, the mechanics of the car were the same. Yeah. So we set the Commodore up as of what we did with the Ford, yeah. and the Aero absolutely was completely wrong. So we had to chase the car set up back then, um, yeah. and the Aero does make a big difference. So that's where I'm really keen to see where this new generation um, Holden's going to be, where whether it's got more rear, more front, more all over, um, I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, it's a good-looking car. Bit of the old green-eyed monster influence in there. It is, yeah. It's, actually, it was interesting to see over the last couple of weeks about, obviously, people trying to predict what the car was going to look like and put up images and everything else. And uh, There's been a few comments about the green eyes, and hopefully they're going to come back. And, uh, yeah, look, it's as I said, I've, I've sort of seen the creation of the car over the last couple of weeks, and it's really nice. Uh, it's a little bit different to when I went away from Christmas to what it was supposed to look like, but uh, I think it's come up much better. As far as personnel is concerned, John McGregor is still your yes. engineer. Yes. Any other changes on the car? Uh, no, uh, Irish is back. Um, I'll have a different data at, um, uh, data guy from last year, uh, and my number two from last year, Jared, has now moved up to my number one. So that's the only really change within our side of the garage, and really looking forward to it. So, you know, we're working again with Techno. They've had a completely new facelift. 
um, which you know we're keen to obviously get to know those guys, and uh, you know, we've worked with ATB before, so that's not going to be an issue. But uh, you know, uh, knowing that uh, their car is just going to be the same spec as ours, it will be built from from you know, I think they're in our workshop now building their car, so um, it's going to be an exciting year. The handicap will be, of course, the new pit crew putting blending that together. Yes, and, and that's why we're keen to obviously get get to know who they've got, what they've got. I believe their their crew are, are from from previous teams, so it's not like they're, they're coming from from a from a novice. They're actually going to have some understanding of what we need and what we what we require. And uh, you know, last year our, our stops were reasonably good. You know, they weren't terrific. They weren't like a like a, a Red Bull or a um, you know a PAR or a Penske team, but uh, you know, they weren't too far behind. And on the ninth. Uh, today week or tomorrow week yeah. whatever it is um, that's a shakedown only is it? Yes. So that's a 20 lap sort 20 laps or 60 kilometres whatever comes first so yeah the three cars will uh, at that point the plan is three cars will get the shakedown and, um, and, and it'll, yeah go from there. And then from there you'll go to the 16th of February. The, the official test yes which is what you know that, that'll be the good thing is you know we we're obviously go to Teeshan Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park with a brand new car but also a new tyre again so we're all going to have to face that new tyre um, last year we struggled with it this year it, it Believe from what we're being told is very similar to the 16 tyre, 2016 tyre, which actually is a tyre I, I really like. So um, hopefully that's going to be the case. Do you think that might um, help a few? Like you probably struggled a bit in qualifying last season, it's fair to say. Do you yeah. think that might help going back to a tyre? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we just struggled to maximise the tyre last year for one lap. Which is what we need. Yeah. So we had good race pace, we always came back and were strong in the races, but just our qualifying uh, pace was just not, not good enough. So yeah, if, if, if this 18 tyre is similar to the 16 tyre, um, you know, I'm really confident we can we can obviously improve that. Yeah, because obviously the field keeps getting tiny, like qualifying poorly is not something a big problem in your career, but when it yeah. becomes a problem, it's hard to Well, you can't, and the, and the competition these days, you can't afford to qualify out of the 10 yeah. expecting to win a race. Yeah. Um, you've got to be within the 10. Um, you know, it's just tough. It's, it's you know, remember, remember back in 99 when we were coming to the back of the grid at Clipsal, which it was then, um, we won the race, so it doesn't happen these days. You, uh, you referenced in the uh, in the announcement before that you don't want to be a team owner. You seem pretty pretty strong on that. Is that something that you've just got no interest in? No, uh, yeah, no, no, no interest. I, I always want to be part of a team and be and be involved in a team. There's no doubt about that. But actually owning a team and, and having I've got enough brain else beyond driving if, if and when that point comes. Do you see your transition going uh, into an enduro driver role? Is that something you think you do? Oh yeah, for sure. Point? Like no doubt. Like you know, I'm not a person who can go cold. Turkey, so it's going to be a phasing out period. Um, you know, when the when the main full time seat ceases, whether it's, you know, you know this year, next year, or whenever, um, you know, then definitely do some co-driving for, for whatever years after that, and then, uh, you know, in the same token, try and work within, uh, you know, the media side of it, which is, you know, something I enjoy, um, still be involved in supercars at some point, because it's been, it's like a big family for me, I've been, you know, I've had a great life, um, great career, and, uh, you know, want to give something back. What keeps you, like, as Andrew pointed out, you're sort of probably one of the elder statesmen on the grid now, what gets you excited and keeps you focused? and infused about the sport. Uh, I think it's just a challenge. Every 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 weekend we go to obviously this, we go to the same track all the time. There's no doubt about that. But it, it's the new evolution cars, the new tyre. There's all these things. Obviously, you know, people talk about the V6 twin turbo. You know, developing that over this year um, to get it ready for next year. All that stuff is, is what keeps you motivated and, and interested in the sport. If it was the same day in day out. 
you'd lose interest very quickly. But for us, it's always thinking about and developing new components and wanting to go faster and how to go faster and do all that. that, that they're the interesting things for me. Developing cars is always what I've really enjoyed. And what do you do now that's different to when you were younger to try and stay competitive, if you like, and try and stay with the young guys? Oh, I think probably, you know, for me, I'm still a little old school. Like, you know, a lot of people still using simulators and all that sort of stuff. I'm not a big believer. I do use them once every six months, but I'm not like, you know, not down there every day like most most of the people are now. But um, for me, it's all about yeah, keeping fit. Um, obviously, that side of it is really important, uh, which this year has probably been my best pre-season fitness that I've had for a long time. Um, so that side of it, and obviously using the technology, like using the data, using the onboard cameras, everything else that we've got available to us uh, to use that more efficiently than what I've done in the past. Do you see your experience as, a, as an advantage, like we saw it with the Scotty incident? at Newcastle, obviously. Oh, yeah, it, it, it can be. I think that, uh, you know, hopefully the experience uh, over, overcomes some of the young youth and, and, and enthusiasm of what they bring. Um, you know, you know, I sat beside Jamie through, you know, his beginning of his career and, you know, he was always fast and made mistakes. Now he's matured into a, a fast driver. So, <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully experiences does, does count, especially going into the endurance part of the year, which has always been a race. Bathurst is a race I always want to win. You've said that you want to continue being involved in the sport, have you actually put in place some idea of mentoring? Because obviously that's something that you could physically... Uh, yeah, look, there's a, it, not in the sense of talking about it, but yeah, look, there's a, that side of it that uh, you know has been sort of prompted every now and then, but uh, at the moment I haven't been thought of, I haven't focused on it or thought about it because obviously you worry about more of the driving sense. But yeah, look, definitely down the track somewhere along the line, yeah, really like, like to help someone I mean, develop. There's a bunch of new kids like Cameron Hill, Will yep. Brown and others, and obviously yep. this year five new drivers yes. in the main game, yeah. which is fantastic, as you well know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, like Hazelwood, you know, we done some, uh, we we spent some time with him at the end of last year at the Adelaide Festival of Speed, and you know he's a great kid, very enthusiastic, very level-headed. Um, you know, he's got a great future in front of him. So, yeah, look, hopefully we, we can help with with the experience we got and the knowledge we've got. Yeah, you know, people like that to get into obviously bigger and better teams and and get the results that they deserve. You had the biggest name in Australian sport as your mentor for maybe only three years, was it probably? Uh, Oh, 94, 95, 96, 97. I was over in seas, but yeah. So yeah, but he was always around even when he wasn't racing. So How big an impact did he have on you? Not just, you know, the driving. Well, the impact for, for me was, Brock was for the, the stuff outside of the driving. You know, you know, you grow up driving everything and anything when you're young, but it's also understanding and learning about the, the, the whole category as a whole, not just the driving senses. It's how to deal with adversity or, you know, the goods, the bads, you know, the corporates, you know, understanding the whole picture of, of motor racing, not just the driving sense. I mean, he was very, very good at, at helping me at, or sharing information for me in that regard. I, remember still, I still remember sitting down in the back of the garage at Bathurst, you know, when I was struggling for the first time in 94, and he taught me around a lap at Bathurst, you know. So all those things that you, you always carry through your career and hopefully one day be able to care, like give that back to someone else that's, that's keen and willing and wanting to learn. Are you any 
closer to knowing what your 2020 looks like? Obviously, got a full-time contract. So this year, next year, yeah, yeah. I think it's really going to come down to what these next, you know, sort of two years now, you know, unfold. Um, you know, how motivated I am at the end of this year and next year, and, and you know, and Roland and I have talked about it. You know, I don't want to sit in a seat of a car and just be a number man. You know, you want to be obviously competitive. You want to be at the front. Last year, you know, is probably one of my poorest years I've had in a decade. Um, you know, and we're very motivated to turn that around this year, um, and mostly because of qualifying. So that that in a sense is. You don't, as I said, you don't want to be making up numbers. You want to be there as, as, a, as, a, as a driver and a racer that you can hopefully win races and win championships, if not win Bathurst and, and Sandown. So um, see how this year pans out. If 2020 turns into a co-driving role, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll sit with Roland before then and uh, we'll make, make that sort of work. It's, um, it's ironic given the events of Newcastle that you and Scotty are now on the same team for 12 hours. What was it like to work with on the test day? Yeah, great. No, no, really good. No, as I said, yeah, Scotty and I had a chat about it Sunday night at Newcastle and we got over it really quick it's motor racing so having him in part of the team or the three car team that um, um, uh, that we're going to be obviously campaigning in the 12 hour is going to be really exciting obviously he's running a pro-am with, with three other drivers uh, we're running a pro car but the cars themselves are the same no, no, like, that's no problem but uh, yeah he's good he obviously uh, he was all excited he's never driven a proper GT car before uh, he went there last year I think he drove a production car or a, a, a class B car yeah so you know he, he's excited to go this year, you know, speaking to him, he's excited to be focusing forward instead of behind him all the time. Um, it's just damn difficult when you got, you're in a slower category car, worrying about the fast cars coming up all the time, which he said he, he was last year, you know, worried at times because he, had to try, he was trying to do the right thing, get out of the way, but at the same time he had his own race. This year he's now in a, in a, in a winning car. Um, he can now focus forward. You talked about the tyre going back to what was effectively the 2016 tyre. That's obviously one of the keys for qualifying. What are the other things that you've highlighted that you obviously need to change in some way, shape or form? Uh, well, the, the big things we're going to get out of um, Sydney Motorsport Park is the aero of this car. Uh, we believe it's a better package than what we previously had, but that's all on paper. Yep. Um, so we need to understand that. We need to understand the pitch of the car, the rear wing, everything else. But I'm, I'm excited about going back to a 16 tyre because it's more of a style of tyre that I suit, or suits me. Um, so that, that's why I'm really excited about that. Um, we've got to learn, obviously, about canvas and casters and tyre pressures and everything else we went through the last 12 months in learning last year's tyre. Um, but if it, if it is a 16 style of tyre well, I think we've got a lot of knowledge that we can back that up. We worked on the car during last year to get that style or qualifying style part of it right or better but again now we've got a brand new car and a brand new tyre so we throw all that out of the window and we start again. You probably had the biggest change of any driver in the pack in going from someone like Ludo to John McGregor. Yeah. Um, you comfortable with it by the end of the year you yeah. enjoyed it oh, Irish and I sat down in the last couple of weeks back at the team and, and you know, we've, we've analysed last year and we're both very open and honest about you know, some of the failures with, that I created driving mistakes and other things um, you know Irish is very open that he was still learning and developing himself you know, you know he, he now has a lot more belief in himself he has, has a lot more um, confidence that you know if we go down a direction or a path which is completely different to the Red Bull cars that you know that he believes that if that's the right one, we'll keep going down that track. We won't deviate back across. And that's, I think, last year we hurt, we hurt ourselves a lot by by going down a path that we didn't continue that path. We went back to a Red Bull setup, 
and it didn't suit me. So, you know, we've 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 bonded a lot better over the last 12 months, and, and I think that with that, um, you know, we're very clear, we're much clearer now in our focus about where we want to be and what we want the car to be for me to be able to drive fast. And it's certainly great to have Craig uh, still in the series, and he'll be there until the end of 2019 in Autobahn colours. And after the break, we'll come back with Peter Tilly, the head of Autobahn. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And coming up here is Peter Tilley, who is the general manager of Autobahn, 125 chain stores around Australia. And it's certainly interesting for hearing as to why they chose to up the ante with Lowndes in 2018 and 19. And coming up here is Peter Tilley, who is the general manager of Autobahn, 125 chain stores around Australia. And it's certainly interesting for hearing as to why they chose to up the ante with Lowndes in 2018 and 19. We've had an association with Craig for you know, going back 15 years and so it, it wasn't a huge leap to, to be naming right sponsor. Um, we've been, uh, Craig's been the face of our TV commercials for many years. He's most recently been doing a lot of uh, know-how videos for our digital media. Uh, he's been appearing at our stores when we open stores and our relationship is quite solid. Our, our consumer base, um, our mixtures of car enthusiasts, and, and, and everyday consumers, uh, but every one of them knows who Craig is. Most of them are fans, and so for us, it's a natural relationship. It's a very congested market. Mm-hmm. A lot of brands we don't need to reiterate here. Mm-hmm. Um, so differentiating yourself from the pack is obviously a very prime yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Simple. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It's. It's for us. It's. Um, it's all about creating a point of difference in store. We are. You know, we are 125 stores big. Um, location to plans to grow that and how much? Well, we're going where our first target's 200. We've said to the market um, as part of the Babcool group that we're going to invest in the Autobahn um, brand and grow to, to 200 stores. Under Babcool we're starting to be very comfortable operating company-owned stores alongside our franchisees uh, and we're really going to invest and grow quite quickly over the next five years. And our point of difference has to be uh, the experience in store. You're standing in a store that's only six months old and uh, but you see a lot of new concepts in the way where we're um, um, uh, uh, putting our product to market. Um, so our development over the next few years will be about trying to develop our customer connection in any way they want to shop um, and uh, the Autobahn brand has always been about service and know-how. Uh, our tagline, we know how to get you there and that's all about trying to make um, the customer feel comfortable that no matter what their car care needs are, that we're there to help them. At the racetracks, will Autobahn do more than just turn up with a car that's painted in colours and crate? Oh, for sure. We've got 
got um, we've got our, our, our autobahn triple eight area at every racetrack. We'll be um, we'll be there to to talk to the consumers about um, autobahn. We'll be there to sell merchandise. Uh, we're very happy with the the, the, the the lounge connection and the way that our, some of our merchandise has come up. We know that the lounge fans are passionate about making sure that they've got the latest thing, and uh, we've worked very hard to make sure that whether it's a cap or a, or, or a t-shirt, um, they're going to be very proud to wear it. Well, thank you so much, Peter. We wish you well, and we know we'll run into you throughout the year as uh, Autobahn spread their message. Thank you again. Thanks, Tony. So I'm talking now with Brad Hyde at the Craig Lounge Autobahn launch. Brad Hyde, General Manager Marketing. And you were talking before about the passion of Lounge and Autobahn and how well they fit. Can you just tell us about, from your point of view, as to why you wanted him to be the biggest ever expense by Autobahn in motorsport? Absolutely, Tony. Um, we've been associated with Craig for a long while now, and as I said before, when we, when we think about Craig and you think about the things that people would use to describe him, you talk about knowledge, you talk about professionalism, they trust him, they see him as approachable and friendly. And for Autobahn as a retail brand, they're the things that, that we think about, that we want our stores to feel like and for our customers to say about our staff. So when you think about Craig and those traits and you think about what we aspire to be as a brand, that's just the perfect fit. So we see Craig Lyons and Autobahn as that perfect fit that we want to move forward with. Are there any things that Autobahn are going to do that out of the ordinary sort of thing during the year or is it just going to be a straight sponsorship and, and, and show the flag, so to speak? Sure, look, there's a couple of things we are planning. Um, we have um, one that we're looking at in Perth. Perth's a relatively new market for our Autobahn brand and we want to make sure that people in the Perth market have a real understanding of what we do as a retail business and also have that understanding of our association with the team. Um, success loves success, so it's exciting for us to be able to demonstrate that in a relatively new market for us as a brand. So something big will be happening there and we've got some other things cooking for some of the other markets as well. And do you integrate the motorsport throughout your business? In terms of how we operate things, we, we run quite a traditional retail business if you like. We are a, a strong business in catalogue, in TV, getting better in digital and so forth. And we're certainly going to make sure that Autobahn Lounge Racing is an integrated part of all that, along with um, the retailing of our merchandise and apparel. We're going to make sure that there's no mistaking about that association between our stores and between Craig. And as Peter Tilly was saying earlier, we have been using Craig in our TV, on our catalogues and in our digital offerings for years now. And this is the final piece in the puzzle for us. You have a great partner in Triple Eight. I mean, they have a history of very strong marketing businesses. Vodafone to start with, and then, of course, following up with uh, Red Bull, as they have in the last few years. They, they seem to almost, Triple Eight seem to almost lift the brands and, and to make them connection. Absolutely. Tony, this has been a huge step up for us. We, we've you know, gone from being a support sponsor and a really proud support sponsor to being full naming rights, as we saw tonight. And for us, the professionalism of Triple Eight is really going to help us lift our brand, if you like, in terms of the motorsport fan and that association. People like to be associated with success. Autobahn wants to be associated with success. And the thing that we've said to them along the way is because we are relative amateurs at this top flight level with our crew at the moment, um, teach us along the way. After the break, we'll be coming back with Roland Dane, who's telling us as to what the uh, plan is for 2018 and 19. 
The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock. Straight after the Autobahn launch last week, and we were now going to have a chat to Roland Dane. 2014, um, Techno finished second in the championship. In a small team. Last year, Erebus won Bathurst. The year before, Techno won Bathurst. Those things just didn't happen before. For years and years, it was us or Clayton, right? And then ProDrive got a couple. And, and since then, we've had one. But then other people have had two totally different teams have had battles wins. So for anyone to say that we haven't actually got um, uh, a, a pretty good competition is killing themselves. And let's not lose whatever else we do. Let's, let's not lose that. Will the good teams still win most of the time? Will the good drivers? Of course they will. It's a competition. We're not communists. And it's not a Sunday school party. So it's meant to be a proper competition. So the cream will rise to the top. But it's a lot closer that, you know, the, the, the front to the back compared with pretty much any other, any other motorsport. Just to go back to the manufacturer discussion, should we wake up in 2020, Holmes decide to give it away, no new manufacturers have come in? Is it financially viable for a supercars team, certainly at the top end of the pit to design and develop a new model car from scratch? Look, I think, it, I think that's a difficult one to answer because different people have different circumstances. So um, what I would say is that there's probably, a, there's probably a moment in time when the category as a whole has to play a, a bigger part, right? So, um, and that could have been now with the, with the next-gen Commodore, could be in a year or two, but somewhere probably the category as a whole, uh, supercars as a business has probably got to look, okay, well, where are we going to be involved in that process in terms of assisting with the, with the development and, valid, and validation of, uh, of a new car? Thank you very much. Cool. Just You're welcome. Briefly, yep. um, obviously there's new metal and lots of it, yep. um, and you've got new, a new sponsor on board. Yep. Um, any other major changes in your team, personnel? Uh, there's a couple of, um, couple of mechanics. Um, have, uh, or they haven't actually, but they are moving on um, before the season starts. Um, what else? Uh, couple of data guys um, probably 
pretty much it. Right. Yeah, we'd move some other people around, you know, different yeah, yeah. different roles between the garages. Um, but yeah, I think we've had uh, two. Um, well, we've got two mechanics uh, leaving to go and work in other things. Yep. Uh, and two data guys, uh, one to travel and one to stay at home all the time. Not only the standard of the people you have, but it's the continuity you've been able to, over your 10 years plus... Uh, it's fucking 15 years. It's now 15 years. Or it will be this year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I was talking to Brad uh, Hyde, General Manager of Marketing. One of the things that, uh, being somebody from advertising, I spent 25 years yeah. in car accounts, so I know that, okay. that business a bit. Yeah. Um, one of the things that always impressed me is that um, you put great cars on the track, you get great results, yeah. but you also lead the field in the way in which those brands are promoted, both with Vodafone and then Red Bull. Yeah. You have taken those brands to places in this, in this country yeah. hadn't been. Yeah. Uh, I ex- expressed to Brad that you probably are going to get some of the kudos of that bringing out an auto band. Look, I mean... It- Autobahn is is out there in a in a very competitive world in their sector. You know, you've got uh, clearly super cheap have got a big high profile in supercars. It's worked very well for them over um, what since how long have they been sponsoring Bathurst? Since 06, I think it was. Um, yeah, it would have been 06 when they took over that title to- uh, sponsorship, and of course they've linked it in with yep. with running a car. So um, Autobahn are competing in in that market um, and clearly and they're growing they're growing fast opening more and more stores so uh, clearly they've got to to make sure that their um, brand awareness is as as high as anyone's Um, and if we can help them do that absolutely we're right there to to do that yeah Um, just looking at the the overall position of supercars um, the series has you know stabilised after some turmoil internally in the company management of the business. Um, it seems as though there are going to be some people coming into the roles that are going to be well needed and well, you know, demanded on the jobs that have to be done. What are the key things you think have to, the supercars have to do over the next couple of years? Uh, no, thanks. Um, it's very difficult to really, to, to probably to trying to oversimplify it but with the sporting market as a whole is a moving target how people how people absorb that sport how they watch it whether it's live at the event or whether it's on television or on a tablet or on a mobile that's a moving target very much at the moment has been for a while and it continues to be a challenge for everyone to try and keep up with changing um, changing methodology in the way that we absorb everything from watching a movie to TV uh, series to how we get the weather you know it's, it's all it's all changed so that's the first thing that is a challenge for us it's a challenge for everyone um, so we have to be aware of that because unless we've got a critical mass of people watching as you know then we can't run a professional category with professional motorsport at the level it's been at really for the last 20 years in Australia um, so uh, the, 
But of course, we're doing that against the backdrop of a changing world, automotive world as well, um, where nobody's quite sure whether they should be making autonomous electric cars or pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, I look at what I look at the Detroit Motor Show and all the messages coming out of there, and everyone's trying to say that they're going to be, yeah, how many electric cars and how, how much autonomy there's going to be in them, and how much interaction electronically with uh, you know with data and everything with everything. And on the other hand, actually, what's happening is everyone's out buying SUVs and pickups at 100 miles an hour. So, um, but there's no doubt that that change is coming. Um, and how we how we react to it, because after all, Australia, we don't actually have it much influence over anything. We uh, it is we're given Which what we get. Which is since you arrived, sort of thing. I mean, it has, it, it has, change. but we've always been a small player in it. Yeah, yeah. So as a country, so but it's more so today as globalisation has taken more of a hold, and of course the car industry here we're no longer making vehicles in Australia. So I think the um, how do how do we how do we react? To, to that changing world and, and really we just, we've just got to stay on top of it, look at what's happening everywhere else, try and absorb it but as I was saying earlier to the other boys, keep hold of, of actually you know, our real basic true core values in terms of good racing and if we don't lose sight of that and we have an awareness of what else is going on then we, we, we've probably got something that, you know, that, can, that can go for however long society allows us to go motor racing which I hope is forever but uh, um, it's a it's certainly as it's a challenging environment but it's also an exciting environment because only the liars can really tell you what it looks like in a, in a decade's time whereas a decade ago you probably could have said what well, today I don't think you can yeah. And Triple Eight, of course, um, this year have the challenge of a new car, and a, you know, quite dramatic after a, yeah. some years. Ago. You haven't got the, the uh, challenge of a Bathurst 12 hour, but you have the, the excitement. You're going there this weekend, and that's yeah. purely as a, not a spectator. You're involved with any teams? or I'll keep an eye on one or two things. Yeah, yeah, okay. You've got a, a few drivers there in different roles. Yeah. Um, what other are your big challenges for this year? What are the things that you're looking forward to? And oh, the challenge, first and foremost, is making sure that we get on top of the uh, the new Commodore and do a good job with it. Do a good job, not only to race team ourselves, but do a good job uh, for the category as a whole with bringing a fresh vehicle into what otherwise would have looked like a pretty tired car park. So, um, so I want to make sure we do a good job there. Uh, I also then I want to do a good job with the V6 Turbo because yeah, I, I think honestly anyone who thinks that we can carry on racing V8s at the level of professionalism with the amount of involvement with government money, with television money, with sponsorship money that we have today, anyone who thinks we can stick with that with the current V8 format forever is killing themselves. So um, especially if you want to try and entice one or two new 
bring players, manufacturer-wise, importer-wise, into the into the market. So um, I want to try and do a good job of that. Yeah. Because I want to show to people that actually it makes a bloody good noise, which some people heard at Bathurst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that it won't change the racing. You talk to Greg Murphy, you talk to Stephen Richards, who've both driven the car um, uh, a reasonable amount of case now. Um, they they say, well, hang on, to drive it actually feels almost like I've got to be the same V8 power yes. under the bottom. But I want to prove that it can be done. I want to prove that it can be done better value for money, that you can have engines that last longer. These V8 engines do not last long enough for the Ford and Holden. The Nissan lasts longer because it's a much newer design. But, you know, these push rods are at the limit of their capability. They really are. Um, so, you know, it's, we do need to... to try and do a good job on that program as well so I'm looking forward to that well thank you Roland Dane we look forward to watching that unfold and uh, look forward to seeing the results that you put up there coming up after the next break Paul Dumbrell at the Autobahn launch and where he fits into the plan now Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Beat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Scott Pye and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Paul Dumbrell, who of course at one stage headed up Autobahn, is still a driver with Jamie Wincup, he has been for the last five years, and Triple Eight, and of course has a very high, high role within the Batcore organisation, which owns Autobahn, Midas and a number of other chain franchises around Australia. Paul Dumbrell takes us through his background and how he got to where he is now. Yeah, no, thank you, Tony. So, really, big privilege to be here tonight. I'm uh, here, sort of, in a you know, unofficial capacity from an autobahn perspective. Uh, uh, obviously, I ran the autobahn business for probably you know 10 or 15 years, uh, up until uh, us selling the business to Burson in 2015, and, and since then, now I look after um, our wholesale businesses. So, so in, in Bapcor, we have uh, three divisions. We have the trade division, trader division, uh, commonly known as Burson Trade, the retail division, you know. Autobahn, uh, Midas Sprints, uh, ABS, uh, and uh, an opposite lock, and then we also have the wholesale businesses. So, ten different businesses uh, which specialise in various parts of the car: brake, undercar, electronics, gaskets, you know, whatever it might be, four-wheel drive parts, um, or heavy-duty electrical. So, over those, uh, you know, group of businesses, and they sell not only to our internal businesses, but to the uh, automotive aftermarket as well. Okay. So your your background is totally automotive. It is. And whether it be wholesale, retail, or whatever. Yeah, I had, uh, had that over my many years, but yeah, certainly now focusing and, on and the wholesale and uh, product development. You're a third generation. I am, yes. So uh, definitely. your grandfather. Yeah, Neville, uh, my father, Gary, my father's father. Um, yeah, no, he uh, was uh, was the Wins distributor in Victoria. So the Wins, another brand which has been synonymous with uh, with our name and uh, with our family. Um, and, uh, you know, Gary really took that business and, you know, you know drove it to, you know, the next level and, uh, been a big part of our business, and that sort of actually you know, sort of got put in the back burner.
Turner in the mid 2000s when uh, when Gary was one of the original Autobahn founders, one of the ten founders, and uh, in the mid 2000s uh, we uh, we eventually uh, bought the business back from the existing shareholders, and really, uh, you know, 15 nearly 15 years later, you know, there's a fair bit of water under the bridge. But no, it's a it's a privilege to see how the brand has grown, and uh, whilst I don't have a day-to-day interest in the Autobahn business, I certainly uh, watch from afar. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, you never ever, when you're so passionate and so involved uh, with something for so long, you know, even though you might not be involved in day-to-day, it certainly has a special place in your heart. Yeah, there's a lot of people who probably don't know that Gary drove. He did, he did. His famous quote, you know, when men were men and I drove, raced around Bathurst with no seatbelts and no walls and whatnot, <laughs> I, I commonly asked him what time he did, because I know it's about 2 minutes 48, so I said, come back to me when you crack 2.20, um, and that's still 10 seconds too slow. No, uh, you know, he had a great career, uh, you know, probably more on an amateur uh, level. He raced at Australian Grand Prix, Formula 5000, some minis, uh, Corollas, many different things, more from a passion perspective, but uh, stopped racing uh, on a full-time or more regular basis once I actually came along in the early 80s, so uh, it's a long time. The first time I know of his name, or knew of his name, was in fact when he ran on the side of a car, which John Faulkner drove with him, Yes, was all brills. Yes, exactly, yeah. That was uh, before the Autobahn form, so uh, yeah, it was all the dumbbells. So we uh, we had a number of uh, speed shops, as what they were known back then, rather than automotive shops. Uh, yeah, and then a group of guys got together and uh, formed a cooperative, which then uh, got called Autobahn. So uh, yeah, long long history in the automotive game, and uh, um, you know, Gary's you know, forty or fifty years in the or forty plus years in the automotive game. I'm I'm the young spring chicken with you know just clocking over my ten plus. So uh, plenty of years to come. I, uh, 50 years ago, about, maybe even more, I owned a Norm Beachy Speed catalogue. And that was one of my pride of place on my bookshelf. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, I'm not. You'll probably be able to go into one of our shops and still (laughs) find one of those catalogues on the spare parts counters. Um, Obviously, you have a great affinity. You've raced on the Autobahn uh, for a couple of years. Um, And you're still racing this year. You'll be doing the Super 2 series. I will be. With Egglestons again? With Egglestons and uh, Spurson sponsoring the car as well. Okay, and and that will be one of the cars you drove last year? That will be the car I drove okay, last year, yep. Right, which yep. is a triple eight car. Triple eight car. I only had done, I think, four races with Jamie. He debuted the car, I think, at Eastern Creek uh, in 2016. So he left his imprints on it and then handed it over? I think, yeah, I think he'd done five races in and I'd done three of them, so <laughs> endurance races. So it's, probably, it's now more mine than his. Yeah, right, okay. So then you get into the Enduros again, which will be how many years have you... Uh, 2012 onwards. So what's that? So that's uh, seven years, six years. So six years. So uh, yeah, no, a, you know, Jamie and I, um, you know, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do. You know, some would say that you know we've underachieved. You know, we judge success trophy on Sundays, the uh, you know the outcome that you look for. But you know, we've gone to Sandown, Bathurst, and probably lesser degree Gold Coast. And I think there's only maybe two out of those you know ten races. You know, five those two races. You know, times five when we actually haven't been in contention. Yeah. Every other year we have been in it with a good chance to win. Circumstances, luck, bad luck, you know, poor performance, or we roll all those into one and and, then we probably have underachieved from a trophy perspective. 
but I've, I've openly said in 2012 till now the success of me is the championship trophy at the last round yes. and you know if that requires us to finish fourth at each one of those races and well, but Jamie wins the championship that's that's success and I think 90 points at Bathurst of course were what the got championship yeah. yeah exactly right so and of course your uh, friendship with Jamie goes back a long time Xavier is it and uh, no, Will and I Will Davis and I went to school together and then uh, Jamie, Will and I were the Melbourne go-karters so yeah we were from different sides of the town and so that's age about 12 something like that yeah 12, 13 yeah Jamie and I it's a long time it is and it's quite amazing you know to then drive together five, six years share some of the most ultimate success yeah Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing Um, and then you know for three young guys Will, Jamie and I kicking around Melbourne when we were 15 so you know certainly Will and Jamie you know the success that they've had a full time basis in supercars you know it's incredible so no, it's, uh, I think we'll look back another 20, 20 or 30 years at time, as Jamie and I say, on our, on our rocking chairs and drinking a green tea, probably maybe a VB. Uh, and uh, oh, it's 4X in Queensland, so I've got to be careful. Um, and uh, we'll look back really fondly at, at our career and, and the fun that we had along the way. I, I can vividly remember a young man walking into the pits in a school uniform in Simmons Plains. Simmons Plains first race. In first race, and it was in 1998. 96. No, 98, I think. 98, yeah. Yeah. Driving a John Faulkner car. Yeah, right. Um, you, you had PlayStation, I think it was. Very, a very deep uh, uh, pool you went into because you were in the NASCAR and you were in the Oz cars and, and John's a supercar as well. And, yeah. Um, steep learning curve, but you, yeah. you obviously came out of it all okay. Yeah, you know, we, we juggled from different categories. You know, I was trying to drive as many categories as well as I could, and I think it wasn't until later into my career where I really worked that, you know, supercars are a very particular beast to tame and, and takes takes a lot of work, a lot of focus to do that and I got a lot of experience driving many cars back then but it's really the last 10 years when all I've done is drive a supercar, I've never driven another car, haven't driven a Porsche, haven't driven a GT car, right. love to, good fun but you know if it takes away from what I'm trying to achieve in the supercars, um, you know it's, it's I can do that you know maybe one day when I retire yeah. Alrighty, well thank you very much for your time Paul. No worries, thank you. I uh, look forward to uh, a great year for you. Looking forward to it Another big week Craig and plenty of things happening ready for the new season yes indeed fascinating Bathurst 12 hour which you can hear Tony's thoughts on inside motorsport this week so we probably don't need to recap the uh, race results but to say great to see so many supercar drivers involved it certainly helps lift the profile of the race what also fascinated me was the fact that with no championship points pressure we saw a lot of supercar drivers make some mistakes that were because they were just going for the race win above all else. And uh, that's what we love to see in motor racing, isn't it? It is indeed. In fact, um, it was interesting also seeing Tanda go and sort of uh, uh, try and uh, compensate or recompense a a South African driver, Kevin Vanderlind, who put the Audi... uh, and they were in a very strong position. He put it into the fence late, made a mistake, lack of knowledge of the track uh, coming through the uh, the S's and didn't have any grip. But, yeah, look, fantastic. I mean, near half the field uh, of the uh, supercars uh, drivers was uh, at the 12-hour, which is fantastic. One of those is uh, Chaz Mossert, who starred on uh, Saturday in taking pole position. A wonderful lap in the Schnitzer M6. He, of course, earned the drive with Schnitzer, making their return visit to Bathurst for the first time in close to 30-something years, 31 years, I think. Um, Chaz, of course, starred, as did uh, Cam Waters, 
um, Jamie Wincup. Uh, the unfortunate ones were, of course, uh, uh, Craig Lowndes and Shane Van Gisbergen. They had car problems and McLaren uh, was overheating in various other situations. But uh, so next week's show uh, on Inside Supercars was the Tickford launch, which uh, you were able to talk to both uh, Chaz and uh, Richie Stanaway, I believe. Yes, indeed. And we'll hear what Rod Nash had to say when you caught up with him at the 12 hour as well. Indeed, we will. Um, the other one I'm sure you, our listeners would love to hear about is developments at Red 23 Racing, the new team Phil Mundy owned with Lucas Dumbrell still involved and, of course, them debuting this year in, a, in some uh, Tickford Racing Falcon with Will Davison behind the wheel. So there's lots of things to come up in Inside Supercars. It's certainly terrific to uh, see such a 12-hour strong, strong field. Not quite as uh, great a race as it should have been or could have been, but that's what happens at uh, a track that has uh, blind corners and there's always the potential for something to go wrong. Fortunately, no one was dramatically or seriously hurt, although I'm sure those who are don't feel as though it's a light injury. Craig, you uh, watched some of it? I uh, enjoyed the race immensely and uh, I've been fascinated by... Uh, some of the social media commentary, and I know how you feel about social media commentary, on the way the event was run. I thought it was run absolutely uh, top shelf uh, in the decisions that were being made. They were giving drivers every opportunity to get the cars clear, and when they couldn't get them clear, they uh, then had to intervene and take matters into their own hands. But uh, to see uh, the ridiculous... Um, comments being made just uh, really, you know, shouldn't stagger me, shouldn't even surprise me that people out there are... And some of these people know the motor racing business better than you or I, Tony, making ludicrous comments. Uh, You know, the officials were out there doing a job, and if the drivers make mistakes, why blame the stewards and officials for having to clean it up? Yeah, indeed. And uh, the great thing was that... uh, uh, it was a quality field of cars and drivers and that uh, there's always the potential for an accident at a track that uh, is dangerous. But it was all worked out cleanly. And while it uh, is never completely satisfactory to finish under a red flag, at least it was one that um, people were able to get out of their cars and, and go to hospital uh, to be looked after. Mm. So inside supercars, wonderful start to uh, motorsport year in, uh, in Australia. And uh, we look forward to uh, next week's show. Lots of interesting things on it. And I'm sure, Craig, that you'll be uh, ready and raring to go again. Indeed. And uh, next week we're definitely going to speak to about Grid Girls, whether you like it or not, Tony. <laughs> All right. Look forward to it then. So thanks from Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.